That's kind of our, yeah. We saw the newborns that we had in this past year. This is our shout out to those who were married in this last year. It's been a, obviously a different year, but we get to celebrate with you. Those of you who uh, have been married in this past year who are watching or here, we, um, we praise God for your relationship and for what God's doing. Uh, one of the things that people feel and have felt is being alone. So when, when Bree was giving that announcement about let's go ahead and, and maybe get some candles and give them to neighbors, I, I encourage you to do it. Just a half hour service, maybe give some candles to it, tells them how to get on. It might be just a wonderful way for God to speak into their life. There is um, a survey we did and we were asking people in this time of year and I guess I was a little bit surprised in this because of the, the way these bars are and um, you probably can't see them all, but I'll give you the, the top three is it was happy and joyful. That's what you said as our church when we sent that survey and you came back and responded happy and joyful. A number of you, then that second high bar is peaceful. And, and then the last uh, that I'll show you is just that third, it's just edging a little bit higher, is tired and be feeling tired. That's uh, that's kind of the emotions that our people who are in our congregation are feeling as we move into this season. We also were in, in, in this in this series called Christmas at the Movies, and so we did a survey and we asked people what their favorite movies were. And so this, um, I, I don't know if you can see that from where we're at. We just there's a whole list of movies. Again, I'll give you the top ones, and and the very top one is the one where you're going to talk a little bit about or at least show a clip today from that got the number one this is the Christmas movie we like in this church Elf yeah so if you're an Elf fan uh, some people go Elf um, that's that blue that one that kind of right below it in the orange is um, is the Christmas I gotta get my glasses on to see it even myself wrote uh, is Christmas Vacation that came in second. Along with that one, the other second one was It's a Wonderful Life. And then we had two also tying for third, which was A Christmas Story. And then uh, the other one is Home Alone. So those are the kind of the top movies. And then they go on from there. Maybe we'll put that on uh, uh, one of our social media sites or something like that so you can see that if you want to look at it more closely to find out where your favorite movie was for the year. Uh, and so we're going to look at this clip because what I love about this clip is it's all about um, fitting in. New Line Cinema proudly presents a little holiday story. One Christmas Eve, Santa Claus got an unexpected gift of his own. What in the name of Sam Hill? 30 years later... Let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Buddy's discovering who he really is. You're not like the rest of us. I was sure when you cracked six feet that it would come up. My bad. You're not an elf. Now, he's taking a journey to find the family he's never known in a place where he finally fits in. And nothing's going to stop him. 
sorry. Your car's pretty. Will Ferrell is Elf. Hey, what's your name? Someone need a hug. Well, some of you know that, some of you are laughing at that. It's pretty amazing to me when I when I watch that. We watch that pretty much every year as a family. It's one of the few, there's a couple that we like. But I, I love this idea of what I think so often, often happens in our own culture, in our own lives. And that is uh, trying to fit in. We want to fit in. And it's such a stark sense of, you know, he's not anything like the elves. And then he comes to New York and he's not anything like the people of New York. Ever felt that way? You know, you, you kind of go, I don't know if I fit here fully. And, and then you go to another place, you don't know if you fit here. And, and, and you've maybe had those kind of feelings in other situations such as, have you ever stood outside? I remember as a kid and I was standing outside waiting to see if I made a certain cut on, on the baseball team when I was in high school and just kind of wanted to see if my name was there. And I looked and it wasn't there and it wasn't there and it kept going down. And I didn't make the cut that I was hoping to make. Uh, I think some of you may have felt that in, in other ways, in soccer, maybe even you feel it with your own child, you know, as, as you're hoping they'll make the traveling team, right? And they don't. And how do you handle that? Uh, there's just this deep need that we have to fit in. Um, uh, as you send off your college, you know, hopes as applications, when you remember that, and some of you who have done that recently, and you're hoping as you get these letters back that it's not a letter of what? Rejection. You really want to fit in. And, and so you, you take throughout your life, you're going through these periods where you're just trying to do whatever you can to fit in. I remember, even in silly ways, I, um, you know, we do all these Zoom calls now, right? And you're on these Zoom calls, and, and I've noticed lately when I'm on these Zoom calls, especially at night, I don't know if it's the lighting, whatever it is, uh, my face is like really pink. And, and I notice that with everybody else's, and I, I want to fit it, so I make the comment, like, I'm really not that pink. I was preaching to the Indian church that we have in our congregation, uh, and, and I looked at them, and man, was I pink. And I said, I'm really not that pink. We, I mean, we go to crazy lengths to try and fit in. Our kids do. The pressure they, they feel all the time to fit into the story of what other, the cool group or, or what our culture is writing. We do that. Even as adults, to, to fit into the group with the, the certain kind of status that we have. Um, within our culture, whether it's a certain job title or whether it is fitting into um, what it looks like to be a part of whatever group you're trying to be a part of. In fact, um, the American Psychological Association has a, has a, has a term. Um, they talk about this as acceptance and belonging. Everybody has a kind of innate desire to be accepted, to belong. And, and we, we kind of live with that antenna. So much so that some people, they have a term they call unbelong. Some people, when they realize again and again that they don't belong, even in their own family situation, they might feel like the black sheep. And you may have been in that position. They move to and they call it unbelong. So there, there's a group called the unbelongs. And the unbelongs, they do what they can to react against the belongs, so they create their own sense of belonging, but they're called the unbelongs. Because we're all trying to, in one sense, fit into the story 
in some ways that our culture is writing for us. What I find interesting about the Christmas story is this truth. God didn't write his story. Think about this. History. He didn't write his story with the brightest and the best, the most influential, the richest. He didn't look for the people that were fitting in, in many ways, writing their own stories. Because those who are influential and those who are rich and wealthy and those who um, have power, they have the ability to write a story and get other people to kind of fit into their story. He didn't look for those because he was looking for the humble. He was looking for those who would come to him and say, you know what? I don't think I have much of a story to write. In this culture, in this world, the way it's going, I'm kind of an unbelong. And so he comes to these people, and and it's the people you wouldn't expect. And so we read in in Luke chapter 1, one of the very first stories that I want to just read to us in verses 5 through 7. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So it sounds like they kind of belong at this point, right? Because there are certain things that kind of connect, but then they go on. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. Is another way of saying they were kind of living a humble, willing, open life, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Can you imagine how it felt for them? All their married friends, they go to a party and they go to this party and they're talking about their children. You know, you know what that's like? They're in a small group and all their friends that they have in the small group or the, the connecting group that they have or at work where they are with other friends talk about their kids. Everybody has always, I think, something where you go, it just doesn't quite fit in. So you either pretend or you do something to try, or you just kind of white knuckle through it. You, you may be single and going, you know, everywhere I go, I, I can come to church, I can go to, when I'm shopping, I always see couples. It, it can be with regard to your job. I look around at other people and where I live and, and they've got these kind of jobs with these kind of titles with this kind of income and they're driving these kind of cars and they're living in this kind of house and, and I'm not. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, verses 31 and 34. It says, in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now we, we come to another kind of unbelong in, in her own way. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? How can this be? I'm just a child. I'm too young. I don't really fit in. I, I, I can't be a part of this story, your story. And God goes, yeah, this is the kind of people I'm looking for. I want these kind of people. So the whole narrative of the gospel that we find in Luke is often about people who just didn't fit in. They're the people who were saying, God, is there a way possibly I could be a part of your story, God's story? And and God says, yes, 
I think it's interesting. The, the New Testament tells us that um, even though this, you know, the story of Christmas isn't about the story of the wise, cultured, and sufficient, but it's really the story of the foolish, weak, and insignificant, and inferior, and unknown, and unimportant, who don't have gifts and abilities and charisma. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, and he's writing here, Corinth is a city that is obsessed with fitting in. They are this city that is kind of this upstart city that were destroyed right before, right around the time of Christ. Julius Caesar came and he, he basically planted this city and it became this little isthmus that was between Rome and Turkey where all the trading was and it became wealthy very quickly. It was kind of like the Silicon Valley of its day and they were, they, everything was about fitting in. And Paul writes, and he kind of reminds them in 1 Corinthians 21 and verses 26 to 9. He says, For it is written, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. So it's not about wisdom and knowledge. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe it. And then Paul says, brothers and sisters, now he says, let's get practical. Consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. Now, again, remember, they're living in a city that treasured this. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and the mighty. And he chose the lowly and the laughable in the world's eyes. Nobodies. So that he might shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent. So that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. What I love about this is that God said, I'm I'm coming to people who are humble and willing to say, um, I'm not trying to write my story, but God, how can I fit into your story? What does it look like for me to use what I have? And most of them probably didn't even feel like they could fit into God's story. In fact, we're told that again and again. They're surprised. You mean you can use me? God tells us again and again, he opposes the proud. He actually stands and works against the proud, but the humble, he gives grace or favor. He pours himself into their lives. And so um, what we have been kind of looking at is, is we want to understand that this is not, this story that we are called to live as a people and as a church is not about us, but it's about what God wants. I love this little phrase. Um, it's in the, it's the first paragraph of one of the most um, widely sold books in the last 20 years by a guy named Rick Warren. And and many people have taken this and they've either put it in their work area, this little paragraph, or they've put it on their mirror because they want to remind themselves again and again. This is not about writing my story. This is about writing your story, God. And it's just this simple phrase. It says, it's not about you. That's how it starts. What a great thing to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, or to look at your work you're getting. It's not about you. As you go out your day, it's not about you writing your story. It's about how do you fit into God's story. The, the purpose of your life is far greater than your personal fulfillment, 
your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's greater than you than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. Every person here was born to fit into his purpose, into his story that he's writing and everybody has a part to play in that. Now, I was thinking about this, and I, I was um, thinking about how often we kind of go as people, or as a church, well, we kind of know what God wants, right? You know, I'll fit in the story. He, he's, he's made it pretty clear what we're supposed to do in God's word, so I'll just do it. And then I got thinking about it, and this is the illustration that came to my mind, um, came to my mind just uh, just yesterday. I was um, looking for a gift for someone, and and I thought, you know what, I know what this person kind of likes, and I know what, you know, maybe I'll just get this. And I thought I'd call my wife just to get her thoughts, just, you know, looking for some affirmation. And so I called my wife, and I said, I think I'm going to go here, and I'm going to get this kind of gift card or do this. And, and she said, well... Um, do you know what they really like? I said, well, yeah, I kind of know what they like. And she said, well, um, I mean, have you, do you really? I mean, you're just kind of guessing a little bit. And she was getting me to personalize it. And then she does what she does so well. She gets really practical. And she goes, well, have you asked one of their kids? Have you and she started listing about four different people who know that person well. And I thought, mm, you know, that's more work. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I need to do that. And it was amazing when I did that. It was like, I got exactly, it was different than what I would have chosen. What I want to share with you is, both individually, I want you to really think about this, and I want us to be thinking about this as a church family. Individually, have you ever stopped and said, you know, I know what God kind of wants. But have you stopped and said, God, in, in, in the person who really knows him well, the Father is the Holy Spirit, the, the one that Jesus sent. So as we, you know, Jesus, Holy Spirit, kind of, you can ask either one of those and say, what is it that the Father's heart is for me? What does he want specifically for me as I seek to think about fitting into the story? Have you asked that question ever? Is it, I, I really want to know what it looks like for me to fit into your story. Then what I want to do now is just to have you think just a broader picture here of our church. One of the things that we've been doing has been asking that question. And so often churches kind of go, yeah, we have a mission statement. We have this. We know what we're doing. And we generally, I mean, doesn't the Bible tell all people to do the same thing? All churches do the same thing. But what we've done in this COVID time, and we've, I've said this many times, we want to use this COVID time to stop and say, God, what do you want us here at this church, your people, to do? Think about it. What if a whole group of people, all of them said together, God, we come together and we're asking you to tell us how you want to write your story through us. I'm going to ask Mike Murray to come up, and we're going to take a few moments because we, we really wanted to take time. Um, I believe this COVID experience has been an opportunity for us not just to pause and everything to go back to normal. We've always been saying, how can we do this, and how can we reset? Mike Murray is our executive um, pastor at church, and, and um, it, it, people may not know this, but um, 
when we started this process last year, but before we started, before COVID hit, before we started going through a process as a church, which we've called Here to There, and this process that we started and we mentioned to you this summer, we said we want to figure out where we're at here and we want to then get to there. And in that process, we want to ask God, what is it specifically you want us as a church to do? I was um, sitting, before it all began, I was sitting in my office with with Mike, and we were kind of talking about looking at the future, and Mike said, you know, I think we should do a, um, we should have a consultant come in and, and just help us from an outside position to do it. And I thought, well, you know, consultants are good. He's a bright guy. and Yeah, he is. And I thought, okay, let's, let's do that. So, Mike, I'm going to ask us just to take some time because I want people to really know as we come to February, we've been talking about doing this now for the last year, I think it's really important for people to have a timeline. And if you're, you know, tuning in, if been for the last month or so, I think this will be helpful for you to know where we are as a church seeking to head and how we're trying to say, God, personally, um, write your story through us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Um, you know, sometimes when you bring somebody in from the outside uh, to look at your church in particular um, with a fresh set of eyes, you get, you get a little different sense of maybe some things that are going on. Um, we also had a, a little bit of a sense that people, the congregation, and our staff were saying, all right, what's next at Wayzata Free? And so we, we did exactly that. We invited uh, Nancy Moore in to... Um, and to help us, Nancy is a consultant who works with a lot of free church um, churches, mm-hmm. and she actually lives here in town, which is even which is even a plus. So we ha- we asked her to come in in um, in January, and one of the first things she did was to suggest to us that we do a survey to kind of ex- assess where we are right. as a church. And we as as elders were just wrestling because when that was happening was in March, and we're going. Is this a good time to take a survey and to do this? And so we wrestled and we, we prayed about it. We said, God, what do you want us to do? Because we're in this, write your story through us. And we really felt like we should do it in June. And we did. And we did. Um, and over 300 people responded, which was awesome. And I did, uh, maybe I didn't mention this, but she has the capability of comparing um, us to like 2,000 other churches around the country. So again, it, it really gives us a good flavor. Um, for who we're all about. Um, then in June, after it was completed, we did the kind of assessed with her and debriefed a little bit on what that looked like and really talked to the staff, talked to the elders about the results of the survey and then fed back to the congregation. She actually fed back to the congregation in September um, what pr- pretty high level of what that looked like. Yeah. Yeah, September 27th, if you haven't seen it, we were in a series and we talked in that message, it's Let's Get Real, and and Nancy came and shared on a Sunday morning, and so you can go and find that on online, go to our app or online. I really would encourage, if you haven't heard it, to hear it. it some, uh, some people have said it's kind of like a, it was almost like a TED Talk delivery. It was really done well, so I would encourage you to go ahead and, and to look that up and, and to watch that. And if you prefer even more detail than she shared, there's always the uh, hard copy outside of Mike Brinkman's office that you can look at. You're more than welcome to look at all the all the results. So after after that time period, you know September-ish, then we said, 
all right, what's next for us? And we said, we really need a time of to, to listening where we can listen to God and where we can listen to the congregation. And so that's that's where we are today. Mm-hmm. One of the things she suggested to us was that once we understood a little bit more from the survey um, where where we were as a church to dive deeper into some of those really key things and really important things. And so that's what we did with something called a focus group. And so we conducted, I don't know, I think it was 17, 20 right. focus groups. All, you know, you guys, many of you were involved in that. Um, it, so we could dive deeper and understand a little bit more about some of the things you were saying within the service. Yeah. We also did prayer groups, and we've asked people, and we just have a few left before the end here, December 19th. And, and again, this goes back to when I was talking about um, we really wanted to um, not just say, well, this is what God generally says. Uh, we really believe God speaks through you. Uh, we're not trying to survey and say, what do you want, as much as we're asking you to say, what is God saying through you, and how does he want to lead us and direct us? And so it has been a um, a really good process, and so many of you have been a part of it, and I just want to thank you. We want to thank you for um, being a part of this process, because we're beginning to get data, we're beginning to get uh, information, and we're starting to um, get an idea and try and compile that and put that together. So... Um, I, I, I've been just grateful for this season. One thing about COVID, you know, there's some silver linings. Well, one of them for us as a church family has just been an opportunity to do what kind of we were thinking to do. And then when COVID hit, it just slowed everything down for us to be able to do that. And, and we thank God. I don't think that was by accident. That's right. Yeah. So through this survey time and listening time, there are a few things we've learned about about why is that free about our church? Some of them probably aren't going to surprise you at all, yeah. right? Which is a good thing. Um, and then there's a couple others that we wanted to talk about too. But um, there were four things that really stuck out. One is we're a very uh, generous church. Probably not a surprise to you guys. Um, we are a very caring church. We um, are a missional church. And we really put a focus on prayer. So those four things stood out as as um, things that Wyzetta Free, if you say the word Wyzetta Free, here's what you think of. One thing that's interesting that's also stood out and that our consultant has said for us to know is we're not great with regard to shared priorities among our generations. And that's one of the things that God is really beginning to work in us and say, what can we do so that every generation knows they're important and we're kind of rowing in the same direction and pulling in the same direction that we believe God would be calling us to. And some of that's starting to come out in ways that I think we can come around it. So I'm excited about how God has spoken to us as we're trying, as I said, to fit into his story. You're right, Kevin. That was one of the biggest challenges. We don't have shared priorities and it's hard to row in the same direction without some of those shared priorities. And yet, when we continue to dive into um, into the surveys and the focus groups, we do see a theme yeah. emerging, and it's a it's a really neat theme. You mentioned the Bible earlier, Kevin. How you know you got to do what the Bible says. Well, this is one of the most awesome things. It's our church and you. Um, we want to share Jesus with people, right? Yeah. yeah. We want to share Jesus with people. And so I'd like to throw out a, um, or introduce you to a term today that 
uh, you may or may not have heard of, I would say you want to introduce Jesus to the religiously unaffiliated. Kind of a weird term. but what is, So what does that mean? That could mean um, things like unchurched, de-churched people. You know, people that have been to church that no longer come to church. Preachers, people who've Preacher. never gone. That's <laughs> right. Some of the things that um, that have come out, and that is that we really want to be more active in seeing people who have not a relationship or an understanding of what it means to have uh, that kind of relationship with their father through Jesus. That has been one strong thing, as well as empowering the younger generations that are coming up. And and then one other thing is, it, it's so funny, we don't have some shared priorities, but across the board, people are saying, let's do this together. And, and there's a sense of how do we come together and, and do this together. There's a, there's a, a resource that you read um, that uh, the elders are reading and, and we're asking the staff to read that I think has been helpful in, in understanding some of that. Yeah, it's called uh, The Rise of the Nuns. I think there's a book up there. If you haven't read that, it's a really good introduction. Uh, it makes you think. Let me put it this way. And I'll... I'll um, share a little bit about what the author describes or how the author describes the religiously unaffiliated. And he breaks it down by uh, generation. And, you know, you've heard millennials and, and you've heard Gen Xers and baby boomers and all that kind of stuff. But he breaks it down like this. During um, what he would call our World War II generation, 5% of the folks that are in the World War II generation would consider themselves religiously unaffiliated. And then you can see how it goes up from there to the most recent, the millennial um, age group, which is anywhere from 25 to 40 years old. 34% would consider themselves religiously unaffiliated. Those are alarming in my eyes. Yeah, and then they put question marks up there for Gen Z. So if you're in that generation, it's not because they're questioning you in any way. They just don't have enough data now to be able to kind of make you know, they don't know, basically saying they're waiting to know. But we do know some things. Yeah, we do know some things about that generation. It's 40% of um, emerging adults, which I think those folks fit into that category, are clearly distanced from religion. So think about that. 72% of the religiously unaffiliated never attend a worship service. So the model of a seeker model probably doesn't quite apply as much today as it did before. 88% of those who believe in nothing in particular are not actively looking for a specific faith or religion. Right. right. How do you reach those folks? Yeah. I, I know when I was years ago, I, I kind of balked when they would use the word religion because we want to say, well, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus. Um, but this generation and generations below talk a lot about religion because I think in so many eyes, they see it. Even um, churches that talk about a relationship with Jesus, they see it as a religious organization. And so we have to say, how is God going to help us um, do this? How do we write this, you know, get into his story to be able to connect with people who feel religiously unaffiliated? What does that look like? Um, So, really, we're one generation away from people not knowing about Jesus. Think of that. And there's a a great uh, verse here from Judges 2.10. It says, After the whole generation that had been gathered to their ancestors, um, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Shame on us. Yeah. 
One of the things that came out, I think, that Nancy had shared with us that came out of the service that I think is so hopeful is a term called readiness for, for ministry. And, and um, it, it basically said we have a lot of people in our church who are waiting to say, where do you want us to go? God, where do you want us to move? Um, so that's a really wonderful thing that you have said. We're ready. That is a great thing. And there's also something else we need to do is we have to move in unity of purpose as a church. Unity. I mean, Kevin's talked about that before. Um, we've had to do that through COVID, right? A lot of changes, a lot of adjustments. It's never, <laughs> it hasn't been the way we ever planned it from week to week. Right. Um, so we have to do that. We know it's going to be messy. It, it generally is. Um, we know change can be really hard, especially when we're being asked to maybe set aside our, our preferences to make sure that we're able to um, to really reach these people, the religiously unaffiliated. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I want to share with you is where we're going to be heading now. You kind of go, we'll get through Christmas. We kind of have said, let's get through to December 19th. We do these programs. Let's give everyone a breather, and then we're going to say, okay, what does January look like? And so as we move into January, we're, we're going to do what we call um, 21 days of making space for God. As we move to February, because February will be when we, the last January 31st and the first Sunday in February, those two Sundays will be what we call reset. We're going to talk about why we can't stay here, and we're going to then talk about um from what does there look like kind of idea. But in January, we're going to kind of like one last push to say, we just want to make space for you, God. So from January 10th to January 31, we're going to offer people, we've done this in the past where we've done fasting, and we're going to ask people to think of three different ways, and you can do all three because it's 21 days. It's, you could do one seven-day period, seven-day period, seven-day period. But we're going to ask people to think about some things of where they will will, will consider eliminating or reducing something in their life in order to make space for God to speak and lead in your life and to give you opportunities to hear and to um, say, take the pen of my life and, and write your story. And so one of the things that we're talking about is, is a food fast. If you would like to um, either eliminate or reduce like sweets or carbs or alcohol, whatever it might be, where you say for a, a period of 21 days or seven days, whatever you choose, I want to just take that time and I'm going to give some concentration and say, God, I want to make space here. We're serious as a body. We want to do this. Another area that we're asking people to consider as a possibility that you might want to do is what we're going to call a negativity fast. And I can't tell you how much we need that, right? As a group of people in our country. And what is that going to look like? How do we reduce and eliminate negativity from words that we say or things that we take in? And how is that going to make space for God? And, and the, the third thing, and um, I've got a group working on this, I'm pretty excited about this as well, is we're going to do what is called a digital fast. If you'd like to do that, you could do that. And, and, and we're going to ask, what does it mean for us to, um, with all the technology that, that consumes us, how can we give some of that space back to God and allow Him to consume? You know, instead of our desires consuming us, how do we say, God, we want your desires to be the ones that begin to move in and through us as a people. Uh, and so that's kind of the idea. We're going to be moving into January. That's kind of like the, the last big push. And you've heard all the things we've been doing. One of the reasons we wanted to do this is because we didn't want to, anyone to go, we didn't understand what we've been doing this last year. We're, our hope is that these are, again, if someone didn't see this service, they can watch it and they go, oh, that's what we're about. And this last part in January is, the, is kind of this last major thrust of saying, God, 
I'm, I'm sorry. There's so much in my heart. It's God. What would it look like if you took a group of people, we call a church, and you wrote your story through us? And we kind of all together said, it's not about me. It's, it's like Rick Warren, it's not about you. But God called this group together years ago, and he knew exactly where it would be. He called us together by his purpose for his purpose. And I think as Mike said, you know, one of our concerns as we walk through this and we move through some things of changes, um, it will be tough at times, but it's going to constantly, I'm just going to constantly ask you as a people, we want to be people who are, on, are sold out on God's word and sold out in God's Holy Spirit. And we want him to use us. And, and it's not because we've got immense talents and all kinds of wealth or anything like that. It's because we just want to humbly say, take us and make a difference in the lives of people around us. And so, whew, I didn't mean to go there. Um, we're going to have feedback opportunities in January for you where you can kind of, if you're in this and you're hearing things or you want to say something, that's what we want you to just hear to there. You can do that, in fact, right now. If you sense God saying something, just email that to us. We want to collect what God's saying through you. And so as we come to this uh, end of January, January 31st, February 7th, where we do this reset, um, we've been already hearing some of the things from you. This is not like elders got in a room or I sat down with Mike. Or we, This is what some of the things that have been coming up. So, Mike, do you want to share a few of the things? We're going to kind of give you a bit of what's coming up and, yeah. and what could be some of the changes. Yeah, if, if I were you, I'd be thinking, oh, well, what, is that? what does that mean? So what do you do with all that? And I want to emphasize, you know, we're going to continue to listen to God and we're going to continue to listen to you. But there are some things that have come up through the survey, through focus groups, and we thought, okay, you know, I, I think we can, you know, we can manage with that and through that. And so here are some of the things that, um, that could happen or could be on the docket over the next couple of years. One is relooking at our governance, the governance of our church. And so do we have a leadership model that allows us here to reach the nuns, as the book said, or to reach the religiously unaffiliated? That's the first thing. Second thing is we have to reduce any barriers to having those folks um, either come into our church or for us to share with them. And some of the barriers could be as simple as our church name. Do we have the right church name to do that? Uh, third thing, it could be if we're doing ministry differently, we need to staff differently. Pretty simple. Uh, simple to say that, not simple to do it. Um, number four is we have to understand how serving ties in with sharing about Jesus. And then we have to equip people to do that effectively. Um, we also need to create a church that's more welcoming to those religiously unaffiliated people. And we've often heard, your church is very welcoming. Okay, that's good. That's a good start. Now, are we welcoming to people that aren't, don't look like us, that aren't like us, that don't have the same um, 
Background, traditions, Background everything. Yes. Are we? You can ask yourself that question. And finally, we probably need to biblically preach on things that are important to that those group of people, uh, cultural issues that are very important to the religiously unaffiliated. So those are just some of the things that we're going to be looking at and just kind of wanted to run through this as we kind of talk about fitting into God's story both individually and as a church. And so, Mike, thanks so much. I really appreciate you doing it. I, I don't know if you get told enough um, by the congregation because you don't get into the situation you do, but we are so grateful for all that you have been doing for our church family. So thank you for uh, thanks, for your work. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. Now, I just want to share with you, um, in closing, some practical steps that I believe you can take. Okay, here's some, just some practical things that I'd ask you to think about. And one is just a step of commitment. Um, have you said, Jesus, I commit my life to your story? I, I personally, um, most often, I think I do this, and, and we do this, so for some of you, it's just re-upping this. Um, it's the idea of... Uh, so often we ask God to bless our story, right? Oh God, you know, today, are you, are you willing? I'm just going to ask you, will you as a person say this step of commitment, Jesus, I commit my, my life to your story. To be able to kind of say, it's not about, it's not about me, but it's about you. And what will that look like? And I just have to ask, if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, or maybe you've fallen away, um, or maybe you sense the Spirit of God calling you to this right now, uh, all, you, all you need to just tell him is, I want to follow you with my life. And forgive me for merely asking you to bless my life and further my story. I commit to bless and serve your story with my life. That, that's the first simple step of commitment we're asking people to think of. The next is this, is what I call a step of humility. Um, and I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd come forward as we're going to close here in just a few minutes. It, it's a step of humility. And, and here's what I'd ask you to pray. Jesus, I will accept, I will, and no, let's not say it that way. I will gladly accept any part you ask me to play in this story. Okay? That's the step of humility. I, you know, it's what Bruce was saying last week when he was speaking on Elizabeth. Here she is, and she's pregnant. She's six months, and, and, and Mary comes in, and she wasn't like, well, man, I've been serving you so much longer, and I should really have the big part. It wasn't that at all. It's kind of like whatever part I'm to play, God, I just want to fit into whatever part that is. Simeon and Anna, just think of them. They were old in the temple, waiting and waiting. Who would really like that part where you're waiting year after 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 year for the Messiah? But they they played their part. They were there when Jesus came in to be circumcised. Mary. An angel announces to her her part, and she's just the opposite. Well, this is beyond what I could ever do. What do you mean? And Mary's simple response is to the angels asking her to play that part is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you say. I um, have had the opportunity, I had mentioned earlier, to speak at the Indian church that we have within our midst. They have a Saturday night service, and so... Um, 
and they asked me to come on, and I've done this now a couple of times, and they asked me to come on at like 6.30. Uh, the time before, I came on at 6, and then I think the pastor, he said, no, why don't you come on at 6.30? Cause, and I thought, okay, that's great, you know, because I can't understand some of the singing and things like that. And I get in at 6.30, and it, it isn't almost till 8.10 that I actually speak. And, and if you know me, I'm an activator. I'm ready to go. I want to go. And I, I'm, I'm just going like, okay. And then, and then I had the opportunity just a week or so ago to speak to the past Pakistani Christians through a Zoom meeting. So this church in Pakistan, I'm speaking to this church through an interpreter through Zoom. And they tell me that, you know, you're going to be on a 7.30. And I invited a bunch of people to say, okay, I'm going to be on a 7.30. And then about 8.15, I'm finally, and, and I'm just, I'm kind of wrestling in it. And all of a sudden I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I just asked you to play a simple part. It's not your job to figure out when you should be on or anything. Will you just do what I called you to do? I've called you to speak. And when I want you to speak, I'll present that opportunity. I don't know what your gift is, but everybody here has a gift. And God is just saying, what part are you to play in this? And then, and then, and then the third thing is just a step of engagement, which I'm going to call you to, to think about as we hear this song. It's just today I will take a step to engage in your story. I, I, I don't want you to leave this room or the internet at this point. I want you to think for a second. Is there a step that God is calling me to take in his story today? One step in, whatever that might look like. It may be what I said earlier. It may be, God, I have never asked you to come in and to, um, to not just bless my story, but for me to come in and bless you by, by saying, you, please come into my life and begin to write your story through me. You may have never done that. It, it may be that you are... Um, at this point, you've been convicted for a while, and you hear the idea of being in a small group with other people and sharing your life. It may be that God's saying, just take a step. I want you to not wait, but take a step into that. It, it may be in, in so many areas. It may be serving. Some of you heard Tina Hoviston around serving, and she's saying, you know, serve. It may be in serving. However God is calling you, take a step in.